Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 24th of February, 2023, as the Flyers will be back in action, back home tonight, returning from that road trip where they went one and three, four-game trip, back to Wells Fargo Center to take on the Montreal Canadiens. That would be tonight, and tomorrow they'll be right back at it, but on the road when they face... Finally, a division opponent. It feels like an eternity since they've played a division opponent. It feels like an eternity, frankly, since they've played an Eastern Conference opponent. Matter of fact, the last time they played an Eastern Conference team, it was all the way back on February 6th when they faced the New York Islanders. That was a 2-1 loss. Since then, it's been Edmonton, Nashville, two in Seattle, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. Tonight, Eastern Conference matchup with the Montreal Canadiens. Tomorrow, the New Jersey Devils. Wednesday, it'll be the New York Rangers at Wells Fargo Center. And a week from Sunday, it'll be the Detroit Red Wings at Wells Fargo. Actually, I think that Detroit game, not Detroit game, is that Detroit game also at home. So, uh, Flyers against Montreal tonight. Where's Montreal in the standings? Well, in the Atlantic Division, they are in the eighth spot. They've played 57 games, 24-29-4, 52 points. They're 4-5-1 in their last 10. They did win their last game, minus 51 in goal differential on the road this season, 10-15-3. Flyers, seventh spot of the Metropolitan Division of the Eastern Conference. They've played two more games than the Montreal Canadiens, and they are four points ahead of them in the standings. 23, 26, and 10 are the Flyers through 59 games. They are 3, 5, and 2 in their last 10, lost their last one, and minus 31 in goal differential. So Flyers and the Habs tonight. Who's leading the Habs? Well, we know that you know one of the great debates amongst Flyer fans is Cole Caulfield or Cam York. Well, Caulfield, unfortunately, out injured, going to miss the remainder of the season. He did play 46 games and had 36 points, 26 goals, 10 assists. But leading them is Nick Suzuki. He's the captain there now, 57 games played. He's got 18 goals, 26 uh, assists, and 44 points. He's got eight power play assists and five power play goals. And he is a, a darn good young player for the Montreal Canadiens. Kirby Doc, who they grabbed in the offseason, He's got 35 points in 54 games, 12 goals, 23 of 6. Christian Dvorak has 25 points, but not a ton of high end here. And it's one of those teams, like we've seen teams this year uh, with up to, I think, five players on, maybe it was Buffalo, were more than a point-per-game player when the Flyers played them. We know that the four players with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I think that Buffalo at that time had five players playing at higher than a point-per-game pace, and that was past the midway point of the season. This team, the closest they have to a point-a-game player is Nick Suzuki with those 44 points, so big, big difference uh, between uh, this team and, say, a team like Buffalo, although Buffalo, oddly enough, is not that far ahead in the standings. Well, I guess eight points, that's a decent amount. Buffalo at this point, 28-23-4, and four, and has 60 points. Not a playoff team at the moment, though. Uh, that's what's pretty interesting about it. When it comes to the Flyers and point-per-game players, well, we'll see about Travis Konechny tonight. He obviously missed the Edmonton game to wrap up the road trip, and he's a huge loss because he's the team's number one goal scorer. He's got 27 in 52 games. He's also got 27 assists, and he is more than a point-per-game player. He's played 52 games this year, and he's got 54 points, playing over 20 minutes a night. So we'll see if the Flyers have to give it a go without 
Travis Konechny in the game against Montreal this evening. Flyers and Canadians tonight. Now, in this episode, one of the other things I want to talk about is I don't know that I ever recall a time in my almost 51 years, although first few years I don't really recall so vividly, but I recall a time, at least in my adult life, where the Flyer fan base has been so fractured in the way to move forward. And I say that on a couple of different fronts. Like we talked about in yesterday's episode about negativity and positivity in sports and how people come from different angles and they approach it from different lenses. But when you look at some of the key talking points around this season, whether it was even the hiring of John Tortorella, there were some that thought that, that was absolutely the worst hire they could make because he'd make a mediocre team look better than it is, and it would kind of leave you in, per, in you know in purgatory, sports purgatory, that murky middle. Other people, like myself, believe that he's the right guy at the right time. Some people who didn't believe that and believe that he wasn't the right guy now believe that he is the right guy. But there's other topics too. Obviously, the approach to this season is one of them. You know, a lot of people looking at this 2023 draft, you look at the numbers that Connor Bedard has put up, and you look at some of the other players that'll be at the top of this draft, whether that's Meechkoff or Fantilli or maybe Leo Carlson, you know, these top-end players in a really good draft class that has been pointed to for many years. Some people believe the team should do everything they can to be horrible to give yourself the best mathematical odds of landing the top or the highest pick. And then others believe, like myself, that you'd have to have so many things go wrong in the Flyers situation to do that. You'd have to have players that have taken steps forward, not only not take steps forward, but take steps backwards. So that's like kind of the polar opposite of the spectrum when it comes to the belief in how you think they should move forward. And one of the other things we're seeing now is in regards to Sean Couturier, the chances of maybe him coming back this season. And I remember having this conversation last year when Kevin Hayes was trying to come back uh, from his clean-out surgery, I guess, which was, I think, in late January. He ended up coming back, playing pretty well when he came back, at least compared to how he played earlier in the season where you could tell he was nowhere near 100%, just couldn't move well on the ice. But in talking to Hazy, we had him on the podcast, and he said that it was really important for him to come back so he could get back and realize that he could still play this game and that he could knock the rust off in those remaining games and go into the offseason and training, get ready for a season, not go into an offseason trying to get his game back in order. And he credited it this season, some of the success he had early on, to being able to do that last season. And there's always a, a faction of people that say, well, you're playing a meaningless season in the sense that you're not going to the playoffs, you're not going to go on a run this year. Why bring a player back? And they use the term rush the player back. I don't think you rush the player back ever, no matter what. But why bring the player back and have him come in to play meaningless games this season when he can just rest the rest of this season and then... Presumably, when he comes back next year, he'd be in 
better shape to deal with the rigors of playing NHL hockey. And again, that's something that I disagree with. I think it's important for a player to come back. When a player's cleared to play, he should come back and play. That's the way I look at it. And this isn't about he's getting paid to play, he should play. To me, this is about a player coming back. I also want the knowledge of what that player is when he comes back, especially when you talk about somebody like Sean Couturier, because I need to go into the offseason knowing, it, again, if Couturier is cleared that he can come back, his play is sustainable, his health is sustainable, because that changes how I attack this offseason, not only from a cap standpoint and LTIR, but from a building and roster construction standpoint. So I want the player to come back. Now, there's a lot of people that think that that's just stupid. And that's fine. You're entitled to that opinion. But I think gaining that knowledge that a player like Sean Couturier is either going to come back and it will be sustainable or come back and it's not going to be sustainable. I think gaining that knowledge before the end of this season, if the player is cleared, is in an enormous bit of information I would love to know going into the offseason. That's information that I need to know, if at all possible. Now, I'm not going to get that information when it comes to Cam Atkinson. When he had his surgery, he was done for the year. So I'm not going to know that about Cam Atkinson. But the amount of players that I can limit not knowing about, to me, is better. And look, again, this isn't about winning more games this year. It's not about anything like that. It's about moving forward and how I can best have the most information to be able to move forward with the most knowledge I can have when this season is over. Because you want to start building. I've talked about this quite a bit lately, that it's just paramount that this season not just be a progressive step forward after the 82 games on April 13th, but that this offseason and leading into next season, that it is not a step backwards. Things have to move in an, a, a direction of up. It, I don't know how steep the climb needs to be. Some of that will depend on Sean Couturier. Some of that will depend on Cam Atkinson. Answers we may not get until next year. Some of that's going to depend on lottery luck, something no one can control how that plays out. Some say you can control it. Like if you lose more games, then you have more control because you have a better chance. But that's just not true when you look at the lottery system in sports because we've seen it year in and year out. Teams with the best odds not win it. We've seen it. teams with the best odds to win the lottery not win it but end up with the best player. Like 2017 when Colorado had the worst record, drafted fourth, but ended up with the best player in the draft, maybe the best defenseman in 20 years in Kale McCarr. That's how crazy that one is of, of an example. But this fracture of the fan base, maybe this has always been there to some degree, although I, I doubt it has. I think that social media exacerbates it, sensationalizes opinions so they become more distant from the other side, the middle ground of what I like to call logic is an area that not a lot of people like to reside in. They either reside 
fully over in the lose every game you can or fully over on the other side. Or there's not much in that middle ground where we could say, okay, I can see your point and I can agree with some of it. It's either no, you're dead wrong, you're an idiot, or yes, I totally agree with it. And it maybe maybe part of that, it's like our political climate in this country. I don't talk politics, and I'm not going to here. But you're either all the way on the right or you're all the way on the left. You can't be moderate in any way. And that's the way sports is becoming. Maybe that's a byproduct of social media. I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's just our world today. Maybe it was like that before, but we didn't know it was like that because we didn't know what everybody's opinion was on everything back in the day. But I feel like we're splintered more than ever right now. We all want to go to the same place, but the way to get there, the directions are totally different. Everybody's got a different GPS route for a team to get back to being what everybody likes to call, quote, cup contender and multiple-year cup contender. We all want to go there. How do you get there? That's the hard part. And that's what not a lot of people seem to agree on. I find that fascinating. Well, we'll see how it plays out over time, but it's going to take time. And we'll see how the Flyers game over the Montreal Canadiens plays out tonight at Wells Fargo Center because tomorrow we'll break down the result. And I hope you'll join us then. So I thought that was an interesting avenue of conversation. As always, if anybody has any comments or wants to weigh in on anything we talk about here, you can always DM me on Twitter at Jason Mert, and you can always email me at jason.mertitus, M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S, at gmail.com. And we look forward to getting some of those as well. And we'll read some of those on the, uh, on the podcast. So, everybody, enjoy the hockey tonight. Flyers Canadians at Wells Fargo Center. We'll break it down tomorrow, and we'll preview Flyers Devils on tomorrow's brand-new Flyers Daily. With my perceptions and a down 20 miles through the stands.